When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? It's the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Make sure you download the app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Luke Stuckmeyer, Ryan Herrera, CHGO Blackhawks, Greg Boyson in the house for a crossover, and the man on the hot streak in his betting, Mr. Cody Del Money. Oh, I like that one. Cody Del Money. Uh, yeah, Boyson here for the first uh, crossover we've had. Huh? Yeah, thanks we, for having me. A diehard Cubs fan who also is obviously a diehard Blackhawks fan. They've got the a lot King, of pain. Kings in town tonight, <laughs> is that right? Yes, the uh, the Kings from Los Angeles are, are in town tonight. Should be uh, 60 minutes of hockey. Trying to break the four-game <laughs> losing streak they have going right yeah, don't now. Don't try too hard, though. Don't no, try no, too yeah. hard. They're going the right direction now. <laughs> yes. There's only one direction. It's, uh, I was like, hey, it's going to be fun. I get to talk some baseball, talk some – oh, wait, no, wait. We're kind of in the same spot. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's interesting where it was like the Blackhawks needing to tear things down was way overdue. Yeah. Should have happened in, like, 2018. Whereas the Cubs decided to tear things down probably a couple years too early, maybe, at least in my opinion. So, but anyway, we're in the same spot. Though so you guys are going to be competitive before we are. Yeah, I want to get into that more in a second. I, but I do want to hit on the World Series last night. We did the second no-hitter in World Series history. The question is, do you count a team no-hitter as a no-hitter in your books? Because I'll be honest with you. I didn't know the no-hitter was going on. I turned the game off after the eighth inning because I was like, well, this is over. Yeah. I, I'm not angry about it that it was a no-hitter and I missed the last three because I personally don't care that a team no-hitter happened. I mean, the Cubs had one, and so what? Yeah. Not in the World Series. It's just but. not as special, but it's still something that's impressive given the context of the, of the game and what it means. Like, also, the Phillies had like six or seven home runs the night before. Christian Javier comes mm-hmm. out there and shoves six innings down their throat, on and then their bullpen comes in. Like he had ninety-seven pitches. Like there's no way that Dusty Baker was going to let him go no. out there and throw. I mean, maybe you let him throw what ten more pitches. That, he's still not going to get through the entire game. Like, it'd what's been, the scenario? It, it ever happens again, anyways. Like Don Larson. Like you know, when is what situation would it have to be for a guy to actually go? Nine innings in a World Series game and throw a no-hitter. I think it'd have to be game seven. Fair. I, I just think the pitch count is why. I mean, you're just not seeing guys throw 100 and 
130, 140 pitches anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I remember all those times Zambrano came super close when I was a kid, and he'd throw, like, 120, and you were like, that was normal, but, like. But Edwin Jackson's no hitter. He had, like, 140 pitches, whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you're just not going to see it anymore. Like, I get there's certain situations. Like, I remember when Clayton Kershaw had, like, the perfect game going or whatever at the beginning of the year. Yeah. and But they took him out because there was Mm. this shortened spring training, so he didn't have a lot of innings under his belt. Yeah. And Scherzer. everyone, like, threw a fit about it because his pitch count wasn't that high. Scherzer later in the season had, yeah. like, the right coming off the, the aisle. I, I just wish there was another term for it other than no-hitter. No. I know yeah. it's team no-hitter, but I, it's, it's it's something different. Like, it's you're not doing it, what Don I, Larson I'll just did. say that given that it was in the World Series and, like, how much the game meant, it I think it's a little bit more special than the Cubs won in 2021. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. a, it's a great pitching performance by a team against a team that hit five home runs. I think it should be. I, I think it should be celebrated, like that it happened. Like a lot of people want to, they're gonna cry just about it because it. It, it wasn't just one pitcher who did it. I think it's something that should be celebrated because, like the way that Philly's offense was playing, the momentum that they had coming into that game. There's, I think Christian Javier, like his World uh, World Series MVP odds went from like plus. 15,000 to like plus 1200 in one day. Like it was, that was how great of a performance he, he had. So like, I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. I think the combined no hitter is going to become more the norm. Just the way Mm -hmm. baseball is done. Like, as you mentioned, nobody's allowed to go 120 pitches. Mm -hmm. So the way pitching has been so departmentalized over the past decade I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked in the next 10 years we look back at it there's more combined no hitters than just true no hitters but still should be celebrated it's uh it's quite the accomplishment I mean but we got the full spectrum of the Phillies yeah. live and die by the home run all yes. or nothing offense Completely. you got you got both sides of that coin so what, what where they where will they go tonight uh for the next game That's we said yesterday Ryan and I were saying yesterday I don't know why everybody's counting the Astros out of this series. It was two one going into yeah. it. I mean, hey, when they don't give up five home runs a game, they win. They're not tipping pitches. <laughs> Here, here's my thing. Yes, it's a no hitter, and, and I think the the good thing about considering it a no hitter, it goes back to this is my theory. It might be a little long winded, but we talked about the last few years how the you know the uptick in no hitters and pitchers throwing no hitters and. How it's starting to get watered down because you're seeing it like once a week or every couple of days. Wade Miley at points, one. At points. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and and then also goes to baseball. Like pitchers aren't pitching nine innings consistently anymore. Cubs didn't have a complete game all season, right? So if we consider this a no hitter, but it's a bunch of combined, you know, four pitchers combining to throw it, doesn't that make the guys that go out and throw nine innings, shut them out, no hits? Doesn't that make that feel even more special than it already is, considering the whole context of what baseball is now? Like, no one, like, there's a lot of no hitters, and not a lot of guys throw nine innings. So if someone can do that, it feels a little bit more special, a little more elevated than, you know, than it has been in the last couple of years. I think. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, especially, I mean, nowadays a complete game feels special. Yeah, you see that, and you go, "Wow, that's rare." Justin yeah. Steele, you know, once was talking. Uh, I was talking to him once, and he said that. You know, it was right around Fergie Jenkins uh, when he got the, the statue. And he had, a, I forgot the number, but a ton of complete, you know, complete games in his career. And Justin Steele's kind of like, you know, I, you know, I want to throw one. 
I want to. I want to. I want to have a complete game in my career. I and it's one. like, what I'm that's saying, just, and it feels <laughs> and it feels funny to say, but it's also like that's just like not the game anymore. Like yeah. a lot of guys, like a lot of managers play matchups, and, and guys once they start creeping up to a hundred, they're getting to the third time through the order. Then they start really figuring out, like, should I just go to the bullpen and do this? It's definitely I, more about that third time through the order because yes. they're like, if you want to use this year's Cubs, I mean, outside of Justin Steele, but like. There were a few times Marcus Stroman was just out there shoving through the second time through the order, and he goes into the sixth inning, no runs allowed, and that third time through the order, he starts to get hit on a little bit, and next thing you know, the Cubs are blowing a 3 nothing lead. And, like, that's just like – you see that all the time, and so that's why you're seeing so many guys come out earlier because managers don't want to – open up that opportunity that third time through the order. It obviously depends on who the pitcher is. Like, there's, like, very few left that I feel like you can just give the ball to and feel comfortable that they can give you seven or eight that day. And a lot of the rest are really good quality guys, uh, but you can't necessarily trust, like, DeGrom or Scherzer (laughs) or, you know – Wheeler, he's done that a few times this postseason. Like, there's there's very few, you know what I mean? And uh, Verlander, Cease, even this year, too, for uh, the White Sox. Like, it, it's it it's just – I don't know how to explain it. It just doesn't – to me, like, that's the big thing is that third time through the order, managers don't want to risk it, so they make the move. And then we sit here and yell about it if it doesn't go that team's way. You know what I mean? All-important game five, Verlander versus Syndergaard. And the guys that – three of us picked when we did our who you got world series picks haven't been doing that great i guess nola was okay last night but now you get verlander and you get Syndergaard. okay three runs in four innings he was okay (laughs) when you're going against a guy that's throwing a no hitter you're not good enough but like eight like eight era in the world series i'm not saying he's he's making any moves in who you got i'm just saying he wasn't he wasn't (laughs) awful yeah, P- pivotal game. What pivotal game five tonight? Justin Verlander back revenge yeah. game after how he basically blew the five th- five nothing lead. In game how do you think one. it goes? How do you think it goes? Verlander, I, th- I think you get a legacy game from Jer- Justin Verlander. I do tonight. too. I think Justin Verlander is going to come out and shove it, and then next, like I said, the the narrative has changed. I, th- I think the narrative will change with how it started. A lot of people come in World Series were high on the the Phillies. I think the Astros bring it back tonight. If they win this game, they ain't going back to Houston and losing two in a row. Yeah, I agree. I I I really just need this game to go seven. Otherwise, McCullers doesn't pitch again, and then his <laughs> only World Series legacy is giving up five home runs in one game, and that really ta- that really tanks my who you got odds. Yes, let's record that, Joey. I just so think we have that this is like the perfect. I think this is like the perfect spot for Verlander. I mean, this guy's gonna go to Hall of Fame one day on the road in that. That crowd in Philadelphia, like, this guy, like, I feel like he, like, lives for this type of opportunity, to, especially after how game one went. Like, legacy game. Seven innings. Ten strikeouts tonight. Book legacy it. game. Should have been Cub. Ten? Maybe still ten. could be Cub. Justin Verlander. Know, is, his, is his legacy going to be defined on one if he wins tonight? Considering was he no, o, no, no, no. six in the world? Like he no, but it'll add to his legacy. It will add to it. Will definitely legacy. add to it. Well, it will improve it. It will improve, sure. but it will still be. I think it will still be a negative legacy in the world. As long series. as he doesn't have to make any throws at first base, it'll probably be okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, we're sitting here getting ready for the show, and Greg comes up with a, a stat that he saw on Twitter about gambling. 
which Cody was blown away by when he saw it. (laughs) And this really is unbelievable. It was a DraftKings deal combined over under. Do I have this right? Oh, sorry. Thank you. (laughs) And and it was set at the over under was at 19 and a half combined. 76ers, three pointers made, and Phillies hits in game four of the World Series. The Sixers made 19 three pointers. (laughs) The Phillies had no hits. So, all those Philly faithful that left the ballpark early last night, boo hooing with, you know, three outs left in the game, they probably were also the ones who made the gambling bet on DraftKings and. Left extra angry. It's insane they, how Vegas knows or DraftKings knows. Like, yeah. that's like the one, the Justin Herbert one touchdown pass, like a few oh, weeks yeah. back that everyone bet on it didn't hit. Like, yeah. and they, they know something. They even boosted but. Bryce Harper's total bases to from plus 110 to plus 200 last night. Oh, my God. Yeah. They knew something. I, I didn't take the Harper one and I didn't even see that opportunity because yeah. I probably would have at least sprinkled on that because I'm like, it may have been like a Philadelphia. Yeah, maybe it was bet, a Phil. Yeah. yeah, maybe it was a Philadelphia. I, bet, Trinidad but. James had more hits than the Phillies did last night. Jonathan oh. VR did as well. Uh, <laughs> Gold. All is that considered chain. a bad beat? Is that what you would call that? I would say that is a bad. Sounds beat. like a bad beat to me. Yeah, that's got to be one where like you check the you're watching the Phillies game. It's like the fourth inning. You check that 76 to score. It's heading in the fourth quarter. Man, they got 14 threes. I'm sitting pretty. Two hours later, you're just mm-hmm. you're fo- throwing your phone through the window. <laughs> This is why I hate gambling, because I'd be the guy that jump all over. Oh, God, I can't believe they put that up there. And then, you know, it's, it's how they, they, they're so good at knowing exactly how it's going to go. You see a team getting 12 and a half points, and you're like, man, that's a lot of points. And then they end up losing by 13 yeah. every time. What's the worst beat you ever had in your life? See, for me, I don't gamble a ton. Okay. Not a big, like, I do it here. Like, since we started up here is pretty much the most I do. Yeah, you dabble. You dabble. Yeah, like, you know, I dabble. Yeah. We let the, the serious here, guys like Cody take there. over. Like yeah. Basically, like, I do, like, a bunch of – I'll do, like, some same-game parlays for, like, two bucks for, on hockey or, or baseball. I don't go crazy with it. So, like, I, I mean, there. I, I think I had one – I had a uh, – I think it was a Justin Fields one last year where it was rushing yards and then like he he need the ball like twice at the end of the game and lost four yards and I <laughs> lost that bet yeah, yeah. by like a yard yeah so there, yeah. there's one there that that's one that sticks out otherwise it's just I don't like I don't I go said, crazy with like it. I said game one Astros Phillies worst beat of my life Astros minus one and a half blow five nothing lead the biggest comeback in World Series history was, since 1956 that was pretty bad I'm done betting baseball until April can't do it. <laughs> so I just, I just, I bet, I bet Bryce Harper World Series MVP before the World Series bet. started. So I'm hoping bet. he takes uh, Mr. Verlander over the wall a couple times tonight, helping me out. <laughs> so, Greg, you kind of got to it a little bit uh, earlier. As a Hawks fan, Cubs fan, which rebuild do you feel more confident in at this stage? I mean, the Hawks are starting theirs a little bit behind where the where the Cubs are at, but like, in, in if you're gonna say. This rebuild will lead to sustained success and a championship. Which team is on a better path right now? I would probably say the Blackhawks only because I'm more informed about what's going on there. But the Blackhawks general manager, Kyle Davidson, has a very transparent plan. 
And yeah, it's only his first season in, but they did really well at the draft. He got he went from on draft day going in with no first round picks to getting three, including two in the top thirteen. Um, so they're 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 focusing on development with the Cubs, and and baseball is so tricky. I just I don't trust the front office when they say, you know, hey, when it's time to add pieces and spend money, we're gonna do. It. I don't believe that. I just don't. I've got plenty of evidence to support why I shouldn't trust that. So I know there's a lot of hope that they're going to spend money this summer, this winter, get some, get some free agent talent here. I'll believe it when I see it. I, that? That's how a lot of people feel for sure. That's how they, they, that team, I can't believe how fast the honeymoon period ended that where you go from being the Cubs owner that brought the grail to Chicago. You won the World Series. So a year later, people are, want you to sell the team and get the hell out of town. It's crazy how fast they ruined all that goodwill. And, you know, trading away all those guys in one fell, fell swoop, to, you know, last season. Were they necessarily wrong in doing that? I don't know. I mean, that, those are your guys. They, they represent something so special. But they were also part of that core that, since the 2016, completely underachieves and crapped the bed. So, you know, there's, you could see why they did it, but the way they did it, just, it hurt a lot. And I think it, it's taken a lot of people to, time to recover from that. The it fall was, was quick, right? Well, it was because yeah. it, was, it was versus how we've talked about, Luke, how if they had made a trade, you know, a year earlier, right. done, done some other things but they didn't and they wanted to ride it out up until they had to trade all three and, and it, at the same looking time. Looking back on it, like, listen, is, is Javi, Javi Baez is not worth the money he's getting in Detroit. I mean, so that you probably dodged a bullet there. I, as much as I love Javi Schwarber and what seems he like he's worth it to me. Yeah. In my Chris, opinion. I know Chris there's Bryant, people that don't believe Chris that. Chris Bryant but. barely played this year. Yep. Uh, right. You know, he's got chronic back problems. That's not good. You know, Rizzo, I mean, as much as I love him, he wants to come back this summer. I'm or this winter. I keep saying summer. I'm used to free agency being in summer. <laughs> he wants to come back this winter. I, I would not be upset at all. Right. But you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. At the time, it hurt. But now you look at it, you go, well, maybe it wasn't necessarily the wrong thing to do. But time will tell, especially with the baseball trades, because some of those guys they got are so young and so far away. You have no idea how the return is until three, four, five years I think, later. I, I think the fair take for everyone should just be that they should have kept one, whether that was Rizzo or Schwarber, whatever. That's how I'll always think of it. Yeah. The, and it's then you every day guys. One. Cause they did keep Kyle Hendricks. Right. And they have this giant hole at first base right now. And like, you know, like I know Rizzo had a down 2020 and he had a down 2021, but like, I mean, the guy was, the captain, he was like the guy. Like yeah. he's probably gonna have, like he was en route to have a statue outside Wrigley Field. Um, played ten years with the team, all that stuff. Yeah, they got Kevin Alcantara out of it, and his ceiling's pretty high. But I mean, I don't know. Is that worth? Is that future worth? You know, what I mean, if Alcantara turns out to be great, which we're gonna talk to Greg Zumak here in a little bit, and maybe he'll tell me that he's great. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> Like, if he turns out to be great, then I guess, like, in hindsight, it's like, okay, worked out for both teams. But that that's the way that I've always looked at it is I think you, they would have kept a lot more goodwill with the fan base if they kept one. Yeah, but I do appreciate a front office for whatever their motive is of being – at least being aggressive. 
They were aggressive. They said, this is what we're going to do, and we did it. Because on the on my beat, the Blackhawks, we're mad at them for trying to hold on to that championship window too long. Yeah. And now it's that window's been slammed shut, nailed shut, and bricked over, and you're <laughs> still trying to kid yourselves that, you know, you, you're competing. So maybe they just got out ahead that, you know, because had you held on to all those guys and then they all start falling apart and then where are you at in two years? So mm-hmm. I see got, both sides of that coin. Yeah. And yes, you still need to, you just can't say, hey, you know, God, that World Series is great. And now we're going to trade everybody from it in one, you know, <laughs> one day. It just, right. it was too much well, too soon. The Blackhawks entering this rebuild, they still have Kane and Taze, right? Those guys are going to have statues outside the United Center one day because they like, can decide if they get traded or right. not, right? And like, that's kind of that's, that's one of the yeah. differences too. Difference. A lot of no trades. Like the situation the Blackhawks are in, you're right. Yeah, they waited too long, but they also won three cups in six years, and like that's what a lot of Cubs fans sit here and you know agonize about is they only got one, and like the way that things look projected, yeah. like the Cubs were at least going to be in the NLCS like, for consecutive years, kind of like the Astros six. Six consecutive years. That was, in the that was the plan. That was Theo's yeah. plan. And like, like that's kind of the year. thing is like they got there in sixteen, won, got back to the NLCS in seventeen, but lost, and then <clears> things <throat> just trended down since then. And like I, I honestly think like that's the biggest thing that agonizes the people the most is that really just didn't do what the plan was. I mean, the plan was to win the World Series, and they did that. At least they did that because if they didn't, then like. We would, I would be very miserable person, right? Well, the thing but. is, like, if they had won three and six, the Cubs, the trades last summer, if they all went down still the same way, yeah, probably would have hurt Cubs fans a little bit less because they had gotten the three championship. But, like, they got right. the one and then just completely, like, the bottom fell We would right be away. wondering, though, like, yeah. why would you trade all those guys <laughs> if you won three and six years? But, yeah, I mean. Yes. Well, okay. And, oh, and this, you wouldn't still be talking about it a, yeah. year, a year and a half later. Probably. If you think they're legends yeah. now, imagine if they had won three and six. Yeah. You would have want a lot of people would have said just retire. I don't care how bad it gets, they retire as Cubs no matter what. So yeah, I don't right. know. Are you guys ready for the tailgate on Sunday? By the way, I am sixty five and Can't sunny, wait. beautiful. Like I came here in just a t shirt in Chicago in November. Yeah, like it's weird. This is, this is we're incredible. Gonna for, we're gonna pay for this eventually, but I, I I'll sh- enjoy it. <laughs> I should have worn a Hawaiian. Savor it while you can. Yeah. Could have worn a Hawaiian, but when somebody's yeah. wearing Scooby Doo next to you, yeah. you're not gonna beat that anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just accept that we're going to be second wherever we are in that. Um, Greenridge Farm, by the way, going to be out at the tailgate. Yeah, they just, just saw a lot of the meat coming in. Greenridge yeah. Farm, a Chicago local meat and cheese company, offering you a better all-natural option. Makers of all-natural deli meat, sausages, and their famous meat sticks. Perfect for tailgating, happy hour, school lunches. All-natural meat sticks at Greenridge Farm. And hardwood smoked for eight hours 16 grams of protein per stick. They make a perfect post-workout snack. Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest, flavors like jalapeno cheddar and spicy chili. Telling you, if you haven't tried them, you don't know what you're missing. The tailgate's a spot you could do that. Delicious because they're made from recipes generations in the making and being all natural. They deliver a fresh, flavorful alternative at snack time. You can always find them in the refrigerated section at Costco, Sam's Club, your Chicagoland grocery store. Right now. When you order three meat products at GreenRidgeFarm.com, include a pack of meat sticks in your cart. Those meat sticks will be free. All you have to do is use the code CHGO at checkout. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. And we've got another new partner, by the way, guys, ComEd Energy. As I've been thinking about replacing my bulbs, you know, they say in the 
in the fall, when the time change comes, you should replace the batteries and your smoke alarms, all those things. Good time to think about electricity in general. ComEd Energy Efficiency Program committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve save money and energy. ComEd offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and your needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers receive a report that details energy efficiency projects they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. Don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today for energy saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment. Go to comad.com slash powering biz, comad.com slash powering biz. Ready to sign up for a facility assessment? Call them at 1-855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak to a Comed Energy Efficiency Program representative. Email businessee at comed.com and request an assessment online on their website at comed.com slash facility assessment i love i love sean's comment he says is greg secretly colada <laughs> <laughs> uh, see i actually get that reference because he's in the blackhawks oh, there you go. really does he, does he think it's, the hawks are cheap uh yes yeah. <laughs> i'm not, saying, like I'm not saying the cubs aren't are cheap i just don't trust that they're going to spend it on the right guys that's fair they have to prove it, right? Yeah, like I'm not sold that like whoever the best free agents are, they're they're coming here. But prove me wrong. Yeah. But yes, we we have Coletta in the. Uh, he's pessimistic. He's our he's Coletta. our ray of That's sunshine in the Blackhawks chats. It's all about the original six and the <laughs> 1961 team, and yeah. That is our guy. Yeah. So yeah. no, we, right. we we love Michael, but no, I am not. That's not my burner account. <laughs> I, I really want him to be at the tailgate on Sunday. I want to meet Coletta. That'd be it. I want to break bread, fun. or in this case, you know. Break sausage. Sausages and hamburgers. <laughs> Meat sticks, yeah. Meat sticks. Um, so our, our, is our guest our, our, here? Yeah, he's here. He's here. He's been ready here. Ready to roll. Let's he's, do he's it. He's been waiting. We've, uh, we've been wanting to talk prospects with Greg Zumak, uh, Northside Bound. Greg, can you hear us all right? I can hear you great. I was wondering if you're going to introduce me as a meat stick. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're excited to have you because, I mean, let's face it. 50% or more of what we talk about on this podcast would be prospects. That's just the way the whole rebuild has been, you know? Like, they're waiting for these prospects, and you're one of the experts out there that can tell us about some of these guys. Um, first of all, I guess the injuries to Brendan Davis and Canario recently, within the last week, how far will that set back what the Cubs are trying to do prospect-wise? Whether that's trade value development, guys just getting to the, you know, the major league level. So I'll say I don't think the Brennan Davis situation interferes with things too much, to be honest. Um, part of it is because it's been known for the Cubs for a while now. They've been watching it. Um, it doesn't sound overly serious. It's just something that probably wasn't worth playing through in the fall. Uh, and so that one... That one's been kind of a known entity. Everybody in the Cubs, they have more information than anybody else does. Canario, I think, throws a huge wrench into things. He was playing great. 
um, talk about those trade returns and oh, how far away these guys are, which is a fantastic point. Canario wasn't. That guy was in AAA and on the doorstep to the major leagues. And so to have him have a pretty catastrophic injury, uh, one that it looks like hopefully he should be able to recover from, but it's going to take some time, pretty much eliminates any trade value, which is really unfortunate because I know it was in The Athletic that they mentioned that, that teams were calling on it. I think a few of us also had heard that as well. I'm not going to get too much into the rumor mill or anything, but that, he was definitely a guy that intrigued a lot of people. So if you're looking to like move him for a starting pitching a player, you know something like that, that option's really off the table. And so now you need to be thinking more creatively. He's also a guy that could have settled in maybe at center field, kind of a passable center field. And the Cubs kind of need one of those too. So that one's pretty tricky. Um, there have been some injuries, some pretty tough ones in the last year. I don't think we want to lose sight of Ed Howard's as well. He was further along, uh, you know, further down the pipeline, but had a really awful hip injury earlier in the year after it looked like he had taken a step forward. No pun intended, because he did slip on the base, and that was really awful. Um, I really don't mean to make light of that, but it, that is what happened. And, and so, like, they've had some bad luck. But, you again, you have to also account for these things, right? Like, you can't just throw in the towel and say, well, we just got screwed by injuries. Um, you, have to, you have to build your team to withstand that. So I think it affects things, but I would say the Brennan Davis one, not so much. The Canario one throws a wrench into some talks this, this winter. And so I just think they're going to need to be more creative. Like Greg said, they need to go out and they need to prove it um, out in the free agent market, out in the trade market, and land the type of impact guys that you can stack up with the rest of the division in the NL. I know. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Greg, um, we talked about how they kind of come playing off that as far as like Brennan Davis's injury, um, you know, Canario's injury, <laughs> and, and what that does to like not only just what the Cubs wanted to do with their outfielders, but like the depth they have now. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about like potentially adding big league, you know, guys for center field, for instance, like a, a Cody Bellinger uh, kind of thing. I saw your uh, thread actually like right before we started on Dominic Fletcher. Um, why? Who? First of all, who is he? Uh, why does he intrigue you? And what kind of fit? Or what, what do you think that how, – how would he play into what the Cubs are trying to build in that outfield right now? So, so much about what we've talked about with the offseason that the Cubs are going to do is target free agent starting pitching or just starting pitching in general and shortstops. And it makes sense, right? There's, like, impact people out there. There's all-stars available. And then it becomes a challenge of center field, like we were talking about here. Well, they do have a stud center fielder prospect, he's, but he hasn't hit double-A yet, and that's Pete Crow Armstrong. Everything looks good. Um, and so you don't really want to necessarily block him, but also you, you can't just assume that this guy's going to take a huge step forward. So when, when players like Cody Bellinger, uh, maybe a trade target like Mike Yastrzemski or another trade target who I was talking about today, like you mentioned, Dominic Fletcher, it's the option of really good defensive center fielders, left-handed hitting, and also maybe a little bit of upside. The interesting thing about Dominic Fletcher is he is a left-handed hitting center field, right field, but defense looks really good, um, outfielder in Arizona. They have a ton of those. They have Alec Thomas, Dalton Varsho, Joe McCarthy, he plays right field, uh, Co Corbin Carroll. So they are loaded in left-handed hitting center field. The Cubs need that. 
what Arizona needs? Right-handed hitting sluggers and bullpen. And it turns out that's what the Cubs have too. So like a Patrick Wisdom, um, Mike Rucker, uh, you know, Rowan Wick. Like, I mean, I don't want to toss around trade ideas, but the Cubs have bullpen depth and right-handed slugging with power. So it's really intriguing to maybe, you know, toss around an idea. I like that. Um, It's a name I hadn't heard. Going to Dominic Fletcher really quick. Let me do a quick summary. High on base, really good defensive center field, left-handed hitting, and he's blocked. And so I just, I love it. Also, he hit really well in AAA. The guy is ready. He's hitting, um, yeah, he's ready for the majors. How old is he? 25. He turned 25 in September. So he's 25 in like two months. Yep. Yeah, right, right around his prime. I like right now. I like that idea, the idea of that, because yeah, we've talked about Cody Bellinger. We've talked about you know is Davis going to be able to take that spot? Just with like within, we talked about guys in the Cubs organization. We've talked about free agents, but the idea of bringing another prospect from another t- organization that's highly touted, but like he said, is blocked. Like we've we've seen that with our own, like some of our own prospects, like. Jaime Candelario back in the day, you know what I mean? Well, not back in the day, but a few years ago. But <laughs> like, and I know he hasn't turned out to be the greatest player in the world, but he's solid, right? Um, so I like I, I I like the idea of, you know, going that route too, because you're also you're saving money there, t- but you're also bringing in a young guy who's ready to just like you're ready to see if he can be a guy, right? So, uh, yeah, no, I. Whoever else out there that could be that possibility, I, I just basically what I'm saying is I just I like the idea of that kind of route, you know what I mean, to mm-hmm. make a trade. And uh, I don't know where he's ranked or anything, Greg, but like when you're telling me that you can, you don't have to trade significant value for him. Uh, I think that's a a plus. Right, like would they take Velasquez and somebody else? Like you'd get a power-hitting outfielder kind of be the replacement for that because he's not the same type of outfielder. You know, Greg's saying they have a lot of that guy. Well, Velasquez is a different guy, and maybe you sweeten the deal with one of those bullpen arms that you were talking about, right? Like, so, I mean, that's a price, and that would be a deal that, you don't even care if it blocks something like you know for how long it blocks it because you're not making a major investment into it one way or the other. Yeah. So I, I yeah. like that idea. I saw uh, since it's uh, Greg Thursday here at CHGO, <laughs> and we're going Greg, Greg. I, I saw that Greg Huss uh, from Out of the Vines posted predicting uh, today that Kevin Alcantara will be a top twenty prospect in all of baseball by the end of twenty twenty three. What do you think about that prediction? I mean, top 20 in all of baseball. We're not talking about Cubs farm system. We're talking about elite, elite prospects. And, and I did point. just bring him up before, yeah, before say, the break, and I was like, Rizzo. He, can, he can convince me that Al- Alcantara will be worth it in the long run. Yeah, what, <laughs> what do you like about him, and what do you think of the prediction? You know, I, Greg likes some spicy takes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's that far off. So I will say – Maybe as a bit of a hedge, I don't think all of them. I, so, like, if we're going to talk about the major publications, we're going to talk about MLB Pipeline, uh, ESPN, and Baseball America, and then you could probably throw Prospects Live on there as, like, a fourth one. They all do really good work. Um, I will guess that Kevin Alcantara is a top 20 to 25 prospect by Fangraphs uh, next year. I, I think he will. That's, that would be another publication that you definitely want to look at. They've always been highest on him. 
And, and I think that's totally, totally fair. Baseball America, probably not because they put a, a little bit of a background into their, how they weigh prospects. Um, they put a little bit more weight if you're closer to the majors, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so it's possible. Kevin Alcantara is a stud. So he had like a 375 Wobo last year. He was 19 years old. He's tooled up out of his mind. He looks like somebody that is just going to grow into his frame and be an absolute monster. Like kind of like what we were hoping Eloy Jimenez would be with, let me just say, Kevin Alcantara is pretty solid in the outfield. So <laughs> I've seen some boys. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, he can do some things out there. Like, you look at him and you're like, there's no way this guy can play center field. And he's actually pretty solid out there. He may grow out of it just because he could be an absolute monster. He's got like a Jorge Soler type build uh-huh. early on that if you add muscle to that frame, it's, it's big. It's big. So, I mean, spicy take, but a fun one. And I don't think that's that unreasonable. He's knocking on the door to high A. And if he were to do like a half year in high A South Bend and a half year in double A and you know, killed it. Yeah. I, I, people are going to buy in really, really quickly. I miss Rizzo too. And that one was the shocking trade to me. Like once that happened, I was like, Oh, okay. There is nothing sacred anymore. (laughs) It's it's every, everybody is on the table. Kevin Alcantara was a good get. Even if I will always, uh, always miss the captain. There's a Greg is actually in the chat. Uh, he said it's impossible to hit for power in Myrtle beach. And Alcantara screwed around and did it anyway. <laughs> and we've heard that. Like, Myrtle Beach is, is very much not a hitter's ballpark. So to see a guy like that go out and, and hit like he did in in Myrtle Beach, what does that tell you as far as, like, when he starts getting into the upper levels, maybe a little more hitter-friendly, how, how his ability can translate there? Yeah, it's pretty huge. So if you were to even compare him to Owen Casey, I think that's the other guy that I that you also probably want to keep in mind. So Kevin O'Contra is a better defensive outfielder. Owen, uh, you know, he's had his struggles in the outfield. Admittedly, part of that is the fact that he had to play indoors because it was in Canada for a while. Like, that's where <laughs> he grew up is in Canada. Yeah. Uh, shorter season, less reps, had to play more, like, indoors, was tracking fly balls, like, in the Arizona desert. That's really tough. He hasn't done that before. So I think he's still working through his stuff, but a big-time bat. And we saw how he got to Myrtle Beach, and he's got prodigious power. Um, But he got to Myrtle Beach in 2021, and the power dampened a lot in South Carolina. So he got up to high A. The power came back. I think you could see a similar trajectory for Kevin Alcantara. Are you buying Matt Mervis stock? Because I know that's, like, been the hot name this offseason. We've talked about it. Could he be a platoon guy at first base? Unbelievable power, right? I think yeah. he's going to be in the uh, home run derby. Yeah, at Sloan Park. At, yeah. at Sloan yeah. Park, right? And I don't remember who the person was. It might have been Keith Law. Somebody threw a little water on it and was like, I think he could be a, a platoon-type guy. Like, yeah. How do you feel about Matt Mervis? Um, I won't specify, I won't comment too much on that report. I don't tend to see eye and eye just in that particular type of evaluation. So I'll leave it at that there. Um, <laughs> so it, as far as a platoon, so I would say that's a pretty fair comment earlier in the year. Matt has done some really good work against lefties, um, against some advanced lefties too. And so I wouldn't platoon him straight away. There's probably a situation just in all fairness of like, hey, this guy's a really tough lefty. Let's just not you know, put him in that situation, especially early on. I am buying Matt Mervis stock 
Just a word of caution, though. Um, when you think about even the elite hitters uh, at first base that have come up, let's just talk like Rizzo, Goldschmidt, um, Freddie Freeman. So those are probably the big three guys that we were talking about a few years ago. Their, their first full years, they took a little bit of adjustment. And so don't come out and be like, this guy's not hitting 300, 400, 600. Like, what the hell is going on? There's going to be a little bit of adjustment. I do buy Matt Mervis. I think he's really big find for the organization. The Cubs have loved him. I think Jed Hoyer was the one who talked. Jed Hoyer, yeah, it would have been Jed Hoyer that talked about he was the first call when they had undrafted free agency in the post-2020 draft. There was a time period where MLB said, okay, you can't talk to people. All right, now you can talk to people. It's open season. He was their first call. I interviewed him leading into the 2021 season. He was a fascinating guy. He's smart. He gets it. Um, he understands like the background and the hitting and like what it takes to go into being a hitter. Sometimes I think he can get in his head a little bit too much. But man, once he gets going, uh, I think he's I think he's going to be a big part of this organization. Just give him a little bit of time because he's going to need to build as as a slugger. Do you do you think he can make the opening day roster, or do you think the Cubs? keep him in triple a for you know half of april or something like that no actually i think he's a really good bet to make the opening day roster um and here's the rationale why so there's there's two different factors one i think the only reason he didn't come up this winter is because he didn't need to occupy a 40-man roster spot right and the cubs are they're really protective of those and they're going to need to be because there's a lot of people they're going to need to protect this winter and so i think that's the only reason he didn't come up in september this summer is an or next summer is an interesting discussion so he may be eligible if he happens to land on a couple top 100 prospects lists he may be eligible for what's known as the prospect promotion incentive which means if he ends up on two of three of mlb pipeline espn and baseball america's top 100 lists and he plays all year and let's say he wins a rookie of the year the cubs may be awarded a, a, a first round draft pick um, that's a new program that that's an incentive. Now that's still a very difficult bar to cross, but like there is incentive to let him try. He's also older. I think he's 24 and possibly will be 25 next year. So there's some incentive to let both him and if they feel like Hayden Wisniewski on the pitching side, make the opening day roster. I think there's, there's some validity to trying that, uh, again, just if he's, if they feel like he's ready. I don't think you hold him down for defense, right? Like, right. You don't need to do that. So it's, it's just been a very interesting topic when it comes to him on like, because so many people were in the chat in the second half of the year and like, why aren't we calling up Mervis? And like, we all said what you said, the 40-man roster having something to do with that. Um, and now as we've gotten into the offseason, you know, I just based off reading things on Cubs Twitter and our YouTube chat and stuff like there's a lot of like still a lot of question like will he make the opening day roster or will they wait until like May or something like that and like I just don't really have a clue on what where the Cubs see it because as awesome as he's been it is only one year and I do know that he's older so like to me that should be a good uh, or it should be a reason why you would want to start him on the opening day roster so that's where I've 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 been sitting but I just don't know is the, how the minor leagues work as, as well as you, of course. 
Well, so I think the other thing to consider too, and this goes back to the points that you guys were making, which is you need to build this roster. If this team goes into 2023 saying, all right, we need Matt Mervis to hit like an 825 OPS for us to be successful, then you've <laughs> failed. You, you yeah. failed in the offseason because you're putting all of that on a rookie first baseman. If you build this roster to, let's say you get a really solid like first base DH candidate as well. You know, we, we've talked about like Jose Abreu. We've talked about a few different guys out there. But like, let's say you get a really quality first division guy. All right, well, then you can allow Matt to play at the right times. You can put him into the right matchups, the right situations, and you're not counting on him. Um, that's the way you need to build this roster. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they go out and they add quality starting pitching, they add a, a better defensive center fielder, they add a good first baseman DH person, a catcher, and an all-star shortstop, then we're not going to need to rely on Matt Burvis. You just let him go out and do what he's going to do. And hopefully, if nothing else, provide some left-handed power, which the Cubs could use. They That's, definitely need it. <laughs> uh, got some uh, pitching questions for in a second, but I do want Cody to get to DraftKings as we take a quick break. Uh, we are talking with Greg Zumak, uh, who is a prospects guru. And we also we got have some a, good stuff. And we have a hockey prospects yeah, guru and I, right I here. I have a hockey-related question Sort of, coming up in a second. <laughs> That's what you call a tease. And uh, here's another tease. CHGO Bets Daily is after this show at 3 o'clock where I'll have more bets to talk about from DraftKings, which maybe maybe on the World Series. You know, the World Series is heating up. I'm betting on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the World Series. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook has a championship-worthy offer you can't miss. New customers can bet just $5 on, the, on any World Series game and win $200 in free bets if your team wins. Want to boost your winnings? Check out DraftKings Same Game Parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code CHGO and bet $5 to win $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code CHGO. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission. That was a lot to say. Yeah, Greg, are you much of a uh, sunglass guy? Do you like sunglasses? Do you have a bunch of pairs? Like, Yeah, I've got a couple. I've got a couple. None, none around me if you want me to put okay. them on. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you got to have polarized, first of all, to see the baseball better. Well, I was going to say, if you're looking to get more... Shady Rays, those are those are our, that's our team. We love them, and then listen up because you you may be interested after this ad read, especially if you go fishing. Uh, yes, <laughs> especially if you <laughs> go fishing, like, like Luke. Fishing. Um, <laughs> so Shady Rays, they never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shady Rays have you covered. Uh, Shady Rays are premium polarized shades. Featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. The best part about Shady Rays, they have the most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your shades on day one, they told us that they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. You drop them in a lake, at, like when Luke's fishing, he might have done that in the past. Uh, you drop them off a cliff. I don't go hiking, but I know some people do. Anything crushed by a bear, yeah, crushed by a bear. Again, if I have a Batman, um, anything happens to them, they'll replace them. Even with that strong of a, of a protection program, they still manage to make quality that I can tell you holding in my hand seems just as good as any expensive pair that I have ever worn. Shady Rays customers seem to agree with over 200,000 five star reviews. 
Shady Rays also provides 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order placed and have donated over 20 million meals to date. They stand behind their product and told our team that if anyone has a problem, they throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. Free returns and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay to ship them back. That's it. But now, exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. Buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Again, that code is CHGO. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best deals. Garrett Johnson in the chat has the most important question of the day, which is, he says he's eating chicken wings right now. Drums or flats, fella? <laughs> uh, fellas, I, I don't know. I'd never heard him called flats. I know I what he's talking about, though. That's uh, a tough question. I'll go, I'll go drumsticks. Drums. Yeah, if I have Sticks. to eat bone-in, I go drums. I'll be the different guy. I'll go to flats. I'm flat. There's more meat on the flats. Well, that's I agree. Drums are easier to eat, though. Right, but you know, yeah. sometimes you got to work for the better things in life. <laughs> Ribs. Greg, what do you one think? Of those things. There you go. Drums or flats, Greg? Oh, definitely drums on mine. Okay, I'm just making sure. Right, more flats for me. Odd man this, out. This is you, four, you four can fight over the drums, and I'll eat all the flats. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right, Joe, Joey's in. Joey, uh, Joey is taking flats. It's a Gregorific show today. Greg Boyson. CHO Blackhawks, I have a question for you. I keep forgetting the kid's name. Who's the who's the hockey prospect that everybody's tanking for again, including the Hawks? Connor Bedard. Bedard, right? Yes, Connor Bedard. Greg Zumach, is if you had so this is the guy everybody in hockey is like, this guy will change your franchise. If you had to put your reputation or your money like Cody on DraftKings and bet, this is the Cubs prospect. That will be that guy, that organizational changing player. One guy, who would that be? Yeah, that's a fun one. I'm going to go PCA. <laughs> I'm going to go Pete Crow Armstrong. He combines like everything the Cubs have wanted for years. And I'll get to the mentality here in a second, but I think Cub fans are going to absolutely love him. He's stud center fielder. He hits, he's started hitting for power, which is something that we were hoping like, oh, just a little bit. And he's of average or better power in center field. And on top of the defense, on top of everything, he's got that mentality that if he's playing for your team, you love him. If he's playing against you, you hate that guy. <laughs> and it's so fun. Like, it's so good. Um, I'll, I'll kind of keep maybe some of the stories out of it, but it's <laughs> hilarious listening to like other teams kind of talk about him because they're just like, oh man, this guy's so annoying. So he's going to be everything the Cubs fans hated, like when they saw certain Cardinal players play. He's going to be that for other teams. So I'm I love to hear that. Wagon on PCA. <laughs> Greg, do uh, the Blackhawks have a PCA in their develop? Um, was it the, oh, the that's Ice good. Hogs? That's a good point. Is yeah. there a PCA on the Ice Hogs right now? Already in on the, the Ice Hogs organization, or any maybe any, not on the any, Ice anywhere Hogs in the yet. system. Um, you know what? <sighs> They've got a couple of guys coming up that. That you hate to play against mentality, but not necessarily like the stud player. Uh, one guy that I think could come close to that is is the kid they drafted seventh overall this past year. Uh, is the defenseman Kevin Korchinski? He's got all the tools of your modern defenseman. He's got size. He could skate and he can play offense. I mean, he in his first seven games in the WHL Western Hockey League, he had twelve assists as a defenseman. So 
the modern day hockey defenseman, you're supposed to be just as good offensively as you are defensively, and he's uh, he's that guy. So you know that that would I would say like, and he's who they got when they traded away Alex DeBrinket. That was the mm. pick they made. So I think that if uh, like the best guy in their organization right now is going to be the best NHL player, my money would be on on Kevin Korchinski. There you go, Korch, Kevin Korchinski. Korch or Korchi. It's hockey. It's got to be an IE at the end. Corchy. Corchy. Yeah, yeah, Same with baseball. That's yeah. it. Like it's not yeah, no, no, professional athletes <laughs> are really bad at nicknames, no matter <laughs> what sport it is. Greg, you you know, on the, the topic of PCA, we've we've talked a lot about Shoei Otani on this show over the last four months. And someone in the chat, uh, Brian G, he says, would you guys give up PCA as part of a package for Otani? Um, so I, I bring that question to you. If, if the Cubs were actually interested, were actually interested in Otani, which I think they should be. Um, and we, we have gone over at ends about certain types of packages you would have to send for a player of that caliber. Knowing the system, the way you know it, do you think the Cubs could find a way to trade for Otani without including PCA? Um, I mean, I think they theoretically could. Uh, there's a few players in the org that I'd really prefer not to, but emphasis on prefer. Shohei Otani's modern-day Babe Ruth. There is no <laughs> player in the organization that you would not. There is not a piece of furniture. There is not anything outside of the World Series trophy in 2016 that you would not trade for Shohei Otani, or you at least should ex- explore that. Um, but there's a few players I'd prefer not to. And so, yeah, you could you could probably work out a deal where you, where you don't include him. It all depends on what the Angels are asking for. It, obviously, right? Um, but also, it depends on how cash-strapped they are. Because in general, it's not a good practice to attach a bad contract to a premier player, like because that waters down the deal. But if you told me that an Art Moreno-led, he's the owner, uh, club, the Angels did that, that wouldn't surprise me. So like, if they were to attach a bad contract, don't think that that's going to be Mike Trout, but like <laughs> Anthony Rendon or whatever... That, that might even, you know, the Cubs could come with a whole bunch of money and say, here's the deal. We're going to take all this money off your hands, and yes, we're going to send you several premier players, prospects, or major league players, but we're also going to, we're going to take that cash on hand. Not every team can do that. So it kind of depends. You could structure a deal like that. If they had to include PCA, and I love PCA, I just told you, like, I would plant my flag there. I mean, you got to do it for Shohei Otani, provided you do get him to sign an extension. That is Absolutely. that's like the only thing you that I gotta have. Yeah. Right. And what team's crazy enough to to give a huge bag and not get the contract right. attached with them? And, it, yeah. and essentially, if he was in the deal, you gotta think of it like this. Like everybody has fallen in love with PCA and he's hasn't made it to Wrigley Field yet. And you're telling us he might it, you would put the flag in, he's the guy that's gonna change things. But it's also, if you think back, it'd be like trading Shohei Atani for Javi Baez and whoever else you're attaching to the deal, so I'd feel good about that. Yeah. yeah. So, well, Michael, yes, I Michael Culotta is already in the chat. He said Ricketts <laughs> won't pay for him, so time that. time to move on to the next topic. Apparently, <laughs> 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 Michael Culotta is our resident um, bad vibes, but we love him anyway. <laughs> kind of guy. He might as well be part of the show. Uh, he brings a more pessimistic view than Luke there it does. Is. That's what I meant. Which, not uh, bad vibes. Something. Pessimism. Not that. Ne- well, I'm negative sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I have a pitching question for you. Caleb Killian struggled a little bit when he came up. Yep. Where 
should we value his spot in the organization right now? Do you still have faith that Caleb Killian could be one of the best pitching prospects they have and, and could end up being maybe a frontline starter or middle rotation guy? I don't think he's a frontline starter. Um, and I haven't thought that for a while. So there's very few frontline starters. Uh, yeah. And so if we're talking like a top one or two, like you're just like, this is a stud. I don't think he really has the profile for it. So if you look at his stuff, um, what is interesting is that it's kind of led mostly by a sinker, but his best pitch is a cutter. It's a swing and miss pitch. It's very effective. And, and it, it is pretty good, but he doesn't have multiple plus pitches. And so a lot of his profile is built on this velocity, which is relatively new, and I think it impacted his control and command, and then his ability to command the ball. Well, he's all of a sudden picked up a new changeup, he picked up a curveball, and things just like clicked in the Arizona Fall League last year. So I think a lot of people were like, this guy is a stud. But he still didn't get a ton of swing and miss. He just was perfectly placing the ball. It was really good. So I don't think he's a frontline starter. Mid-rotation, maybe. I think that's fair. Um, probably more of like a three, maybe four, if, if it all clicks. But he just has to take a step forward in his command again. It's there. It is in there. He just needs to be able to do it. Um, but him walking a bunch of guys and then overcorrecting and then putting a, you know, 96 fastball kind of towards the middle of the plate is going to get whacked, even if it's, you know, really good. The metrics on it are more okay than good. So I, not frontline maybe mid-rotation, might be a guy that just plays up in the bullpen too, which is still a heck of a return. If you can get like, I don't know, a quality setup guy that's heavy fastball, either sinker or four seam with a cutter. Like that's, that's still a really good, really good profile to have. It's good to have. Another pitching question. Uh, someone that we haven't really talked about a ton, but we talked about a ton right after the draft, Cade Horton. Where do you project him to be in the organization next year? Because, like, I mean, when I saw that they put him all the way in the top five on MLB Pipeline mm -hmm. after the draft, uh, I envisioned something like a Jordan Wicks-type situation where he might be in the minors for two years. Uh, and I think, we, I think a lot of people believe that Wicks could be on the Cubs at some point next year. Um, so I think – Wick started with South Bend, right? And now he's, and then he ended up in Double A. So I'm curious if that's kind of the same route that the Cubs would consider with Kate Horton. Yeah, I actually think that's a perfect analogy and in, in kind of like a timeline to it. You know, the okay. one wrinkle is whether they want him to start in the cold in the Midwest, um, and we'll we'll see about that. Like the different teams feel differently about him. He did have Tommy John. It's about a year, like a couple years ago now. Right. So, you know, that's probably less of a concern, but I think the Jordan Wicks timeline is good. I will say as far as like a ceiling, that's a guy with frontline potential. That's the one that we wrote the article. The story behind the scenes is that uh, the Cubs area scout, Ty Nichols, who also got Jordan Wicks, by the way. So he's got back-to-back mm -hmm. -back first rounders. Like, yep. Talk about a stud within the organization. Ty Nichols is a stud area scout. He texted Dan Kantrovich, their VP of scouting, that Cade Horton is a bad man. And <laughs> like he was on him. Like they have been on him for a while and watching him. And then when things started to click in the Big 12 tournament and he picked up that new kind of sweeper slider, things just, I mean, they snowballed from there. It was, this is a guy that, oh man, I don't know, maybe first rounder, maybe like second rounder. 
uh, to holy cow, like he's one of the best pitching prospects in the draft and would have gone, I think I feel pretty comfortable saying he would have gone very shortly after the Cubs if they hadn't taken him. Okay. Probably got time for one more question. Anybody want to offer one up? I got, I have a Greg, Greg, anything you want to know? Fellow prospect guru. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to feign ignorance and and lack of research. So (laughs) Uh I'll let one of the more informed guys ask, ask a question. Um, Greg, I'm still waiting for Errol Cunningham to pan out. That's where I'm at. So. <laughs> Greg, uh, my last thing is just we we've seen and we've heard you know the the sort of leaps and bounds that this organization has made um, in the minor leagues at least, uh, especially over this last year, but the last couple of years. I know, um, you know Justin Stone br- uh, being brought in, but then also um, I can't even think of, of Craig um, Breslow. Yeah, there you go, Craig Breslow uh, on the pitching side and. What, but in your mind, as this you know minor league system has like risen back to past respectability to like top ten in some evaluators' eyes, what has been the biggest difference in in how they're developing these guys at the minor league level that has allowed that to happen? Yeah, so you know I want to be careful not to drink the blue cubby Kool Aid, right? Because <laughs> like I'm a fan, like I want them to win, so of course I'm going to look at things and be like. They're killing it. Of course, it's going to work. It's going to all work. But I will say that the systems that they've put in place are totally different. And there's just a lot more trust. Also, when we talk about some of these guys breaking out, like let's use pitching for an example, because that's where they're leading is is pitching more than hitting. Though I will say Dustin Kelly, uh, new um, MLB hitting coach, was their minor league hitting coordinator, has done a great job. But their pitching is a little bit better than above their hitting. They're having more breakouts with that. And I will say this, like in years past, if we had a breakout like, we haven't even talked about him today, but a Porter Hodge and Luis Devers, guys that just took massive steps forward, that's all we would be talking about. Because it'd be like, oh my God, these guys are great. They're top 10 prospects. They're amazing. Everything about what they're doing, the metrics, especially with Porter Hodge is like really, really, really good. That's all we'd be talking about. And yet there's so many more guys now that we don't have to hang your hat on. If a Caleb Killian, like we talked about, took a step back, in years past, you'd be like, it's broken. The ship is going down. The train is off the tracks. Whatever metaphor the sky you want is to use, falling. it's gone. It's over. And we didn't have any option. And now they're tinkering with Adrian Sampson's usage. <clears throat> Javier Assad, nobody expected what he was doing. And that guy, like, made the climb through the majors and had some pretty good performance there. They're just building out such a better system so that a few of these guys are going to fail. Like, I mean, they just are. I love these prospects. I talk to them. I I believe in them. But a few of them are going to fail. And in years past, that would have been like just a death blow to the Mm -hmm. organization's competitiveness. And now it's like there's going to be some attrition. uh, But hopefully the guys that do make it are going to have successful careers. Awesome. Uh, that is Greg Zumak. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Ivy Futures, correct? Is that yep. right? Absolutely. Yep. There it is, Ivy Futures. Northside Bound, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciated it. Also, our guest and teammate, Greg Boyson. You can catch him on the postgame show tonight after the Kings That's with it. Jay, with Mario. Hopefully the end of a four-game losing streak. Eh, maybe. Yeah, we'll see about that. Maybe it would have been a As we say, depends on the prospects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ride this streak out a little longer, just in case. Uh-huh. Greg and Greg, thank you so much, and thank you uh, to everybody in the chat that joined us for the CHGO Cubs podcast. 
presented by DraftKings. Have a great night. Until then, fly the W.